Be blessed today, Lord. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love that. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't know it, he's working. All right? A lot of times we, we feel like, how many times have you said, God, where are you at? Where are you? He's always been there. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's always there. But we're, all, we're constantly saying, God, I don't, I don't see it. He's not working in our timetable. He's not doing things the way we want him. And we think he's invisible or he's lost or he don't know where he's at. But he always knows where he's at. He's always right on time when he's supposed to be where he's supposed to be. Amen? Praise God. I want to talk to you today about this message called Made for More. I just want to talk for, to you for, for a little bit about that. Made for more. Made for more. Do you ever often wonder that if, that if you were becoming the person that God created you to be? I wonder that. God, am I becoming the person that you created me to be? Because you have the creator. The creator creates the created and gives the created a purpose. Nobody creates something and says, oh, that's just, just a blob, just a blob, just What's it for? Ah, it's just nothing. It's just nothing at all. That's not how God works. He, when you create something, you give what you created a purpose. And God has given each one of you a purpose and a destiny in life. And we need to often ask ourselves, am I becoming, am, have I become, am I becoming, or am I far away from what God has created me to be? We need to ask ourselves that. Because if we're not, if we're not where we're, where, what God wanted us to be, then we need to start making, making plans to get where he wanted us to be. We, if, if we're becoming that, we need to keep on that track. And we should never, ever feel like that we have become what God wants us to be. Because nobody's going to reach that mark. Nobody's going to become and be all that God wants them to be. We need to strive towards that. But there's always more. We're We're human. And when we make mistakes, so we're never going to be at that place. But we need to strive to reach that destiny. Colossians 3 and 12 in the New Living Translation says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must um, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and, and patience. You see, we, if we're going to do that and be what God wants us to be, we need to know our identity in Christ. We need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know that we are his masterpiece, that, we're, that we are an overcomer. We're more than an overcomer through Christ. We need to know that we are a conqueror. We need to know the power that we have to overcome the enemy if we're going to even know that. This scripture right here that I just read tells us three things. It says that you are chosen, that you are holy, and that you are loved. Amen? So it says you're chosen. Did you know that you were chosen by God? I'm not talking about predestination. I'm talking about that he chose you. He wanted you. He says, whosoever will, he died for each and every one of us to become the child, a child of God. And he chose you. You are chosen. He picked you. You know, you feel like the little kid on the, on the field sometimes, in the kickball field, that's your last pick. You're God's first pick. And well, how can I be his first pick if she's his first pick? How can I be his first pick if he's his first pick? Because his, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he, every one of us, are the most special piece of creation he's ever made. And he can do that because his mind is so large and so vast. And then the second thing it says in that scripture is that we're holy. Okay, and it's holy does not, not mean that you've got to wear dresses down to your ankles and you've got to wear turtlenecks up to the ear. And it's not, it's not a dress style. That holy there is talking about to be, you're set apart for God. You're, you're sanctified that you belong to him, that you're in his hands, and you are holy because he created you, and, he's, and, and whenever you're a Christian, you are set apart from, from, the, from the world for that. And then the third thing, it says that you're loved. 
Whether you realize you're loved or not, whether you want to be loved or not, or whether you know you're loved or not, whether you accept it or not, you are loved by Kingdom Life slash moving into Kingdom Impact by, by Pastor Doug, and you are all, most definitely overwhelmingly loved by Jesus Christ and his Father. No matter how you look at it, you may say, I, don't, I reject Christ. He still loves you. You can say, I don't want to have nothing to do with religion. I don't, know, I don't want Jesus. He still loves you. There's nobody he doesn't love. There's nobody he doesn't love. Philippians 2 and 5 says, you must have the same attitude as Christ had. So for us to be able as Christians to have the same attitude as Christ, that's why we're called Christians because we're supposed to be in his image, right? And so we're, supposed, we're, supposed, we're taking the name. When you say I'm a Christian, you're taking on the name of Christ. You know, you, you, you're representing them. When I, when, when I put my chaplain's uniform on and I go somewhere on a call to, to tell, talk to somebody that just lost a son for suicide, what have you, I'm representing chief. I'm representing the police department. I'm not just representing myself. And so whenever I say I'm a Christian, I'm representing Christ. And so he says, we need to have his attitude. Christ had an attitude? Yeah, he had an attitude. What kind of attitude did he have? He said, I come not to be served, but I come to serve. So we, for us to have the attitude of Christ, we need to have the attitude of a servant, an attitude to serve others, to help others, to care for others, to be there for others, to serve with gratitude and, and, and not an not a attitude of judgment. And um, you, can't, you can't serve if you've got a judgmental attitude. You can't serve others if you've got hate in your heart. And Christ didn't have those attitudes. That's why he was able to serve so much. And he came to the disciples and bent down at their feet and washed their feet and said, and, and said I'm going to serve you. Then he got up and says, no, I don't want you to serve me. I want you to just go serve others. He came and said, no, I don't want, I don't want, you, to get, I don't want you to serve me. I'm just coming to serve. Colossians 3 and 12, the second part of that scripture says, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The attitude of Christ. We, we fall so short of that every day. When you get up in the morning, especially you ladies, you go to a big old huge closet, and you've got all these garments to choose from, right? You know, some men, my dad has like 15 or 25 pairs of khaki pants. I don't know why. So when you see them, they're probably brand new that he just put on this morning, you know, because he has them. He'll, he'll wear them a couple of times and put them in the closet and buy some more and then take those out. And anyways, he has lots of, lots of, lots of khaki pants. Okay. So the thing is, is, is but, but you ladies, you know, you, you walk in there, you have this walk-in closet, you can choose anything. And sometimes we do good. When I was a youth pastor for 18 years before I was a pastor here, so, so I even had a fashion specialist teenager. Her job and his job was to say, Pastor Doug, that don't match, don't never wear it again. <laughs> because I wanted to come and I wanted to be cool. Or they said, hey, you're trying to be too cool today, don't do that. <laughs> and I gave them permission, I gave them permission to tell me that. I said, you got permission. It's like, don't do that. Don't act that way. Don't say that again. Don't tell that joke because you're trying to be too hip and you ain't there. You're not. You ain't there and neither is your hair. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, but, see, but, so, but we do that. But what, what does Paul say? Paul says, clothe yourselves with very specific garments. He says, put them on every day. Obviously, you know, if you start reading the Bible, you realize there's a lot of things we got to do in the morning. You ladies say it takes you a long time to get dressed, and some, some men it does. But, but when we get up in the morning time, we got to get up, and what do we got to do? First, put on the what? Full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace. 
and pull out the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, ready to fight the enemy for today. And then Paul says, not only you got to put on the armor of God, then you got to put on mercy and kindness, humility and gentleness. Have you ever got out of your car and, and, and realized that, that, that somebody didn't put that on? <laughs> that you're behind a car and, and, you, and someone's got bitterness and rage and, and maybe you got the rage. I, this morning I was, I was studying this in my, in, my, in my bed this morning just studying real hard for this and I got in my car talking about putting this on. I got in my car and here comes, I'm riding down the road and here comes this woman running down the middle of the street. Kind of not too, and I was like, right but two feet from her is a whole sidewalk for runners. Honest, this really happened, honest to God. And I was like, who does she think? Why don't she just get over there on the other side? Why? And I'm looking at her like, what are you doing? And then, man, so help me God. God's like, what'd you put on this morning? I said, God, I'm so sorry. But see, I got, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, do, I don't do bad things, chief, I promise. Uh, but, I, <laughs> but I get road rage, but I just, don't, I just have it. I don't do nothing with it, okay, chief, I promise. But, um, but I, get road, I get road rage at a grocery store walking behind people. Like, get your buggy, go on, speed up. But, but people put on, they put bitterness and jealousy and selfishness on. And we, can, when we get up in the morning, you go to work and you see people and you realize you didn't put the right thing on this morning. And you know what? People look at each one of us and say the same thing. I thought you were a Christian. You ain't got on the love of Christ today. We're wearing his name, but we're dishonoring his name. The world, the world um, does not know, because, know that we're Christians because of how we dress. Not this way. You may not like, you may not like little uh, paisleys. It's okay. Haters going to hate, all right? <laughs> but the thing is, when we get up every morning, when you go to work, when you go to school, you say, hey, I'm a Christian. And you tell people, can you come to church with me? But then they show you an attitude. They show you disrespect your boss. They see you, see you skating off and not working and doing other things. And, and we as Christians, we give, we give Christ a bad name. And that's why non-Christians sometimes say, I don't want to be part of that. You're a Christian? I don't want to be like you. Because we're putting on the wrong things in the morning. James 3, 14 and 15 says, but if you, listen to this, I love the New, the New Living Translation. It says, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth by boasting and lying. For je listen, for jealousy and selfishness, selfishness are not the kind of God's wisdom. Such things are unspiritual and demonic. Wow. So why do people call us hypocrites? Because we say we got the love of Christ in our hearts, but then we come in with an attitude and selfishness and, and judgmentalism, and, and we come at, come at people with, with hate and bitterness in our heart and don't release it to God. And, and you can't put them, you know, I was thinking this, well, last night, I started to wear, uh, bring in some, some, a black, a black T-shirt that said, that said uh, selfishness or ambition on it or hate, bitterness, unforgiveness. And then I was going to put a, a, a white T-shirt on over it that said love. You would still be able to see, unless it's a real thick shirt, obviously, but you would still be able to see that black T-shirt under there, wouldn't you? Why? Because you can't cover up that kind of stuff. We, we, we got bitterness, hate, and rage, and, and we got all these things in our life that is not godly, that, that, that we allow to, the enemy to come in and poke at us. The enemy comes and pokes at us, and, and, it, and it makes us mad, it makes us angry, and we, we get bitter, and we get, we get jealous, and we do these things, and we, we act these certain ways, and then we, then we try to put on... The, 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 the t-shirt of love and the t-shirt of forgiveness on top of that. And what's going to happen? It's going to eventually come out. You can't cover up that stuff. 
That's why, again, people look at us sometimes as hypocrites. Well, you won't lovey-dovey until somebody makes you mad and then somebody comes out. You know, and because we got to be careful with that. We got to make a conscious decision to allow our lifestyle to match our identity. Now, listen, I'm not saying you can't get mad. You can't get angry. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that. But we get to the place that, that, that as soon as somebody doesn't do something the way that we want it done, we get upset. For instance, a waitress, uh, you know, as soon as she comes to us and something happens, man, we quit. Hey, hey, excuse me, excuse me. I said no, no butter or whatever. That's what my dad says. Anyway, he says no butter. So no cheese, no cheese. I want my, I want my, I, anyway. Okay. Okay, hold on a second. Huh. Somebody just sent me some pictures and it just showed up on my screen. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for that out there. Appreciate that. Okay, but listen, Paul says, put to death anything that has no place here. See, the thing is, is, is this bitterness and anger and strife and unforgiveness and, and worry and anxiety and fear that is not compatible with Jesus. If you try to put a, a, a Chevrolet piece in a Ford truck, it's probably not going to be compatible. If you put a Ford piece in a Chevy truck, it'll probably make it better. But, you know you, know, you, you know, you have different pieces, and, you, and we say, hey, that's not compatible. That just don't work right. That's not really good. It, it doesn't fit. It's not compatible. And these things are not compatible with Christ. Um, Colossians um, 3.13 says, here, here's another big one, big one for us Christians. You know, this is a love month, so we're talking about this. Uh, but, but make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you've got to forgive others. And I say that a lot. Because a lot of people have to keep, I, I said something the other day, I, I said, I told somebody, I said, I feel like I say this, this, this uh, sometimes a, a lot from the pulpit. And they say, I need to hear it every single time you say it, because I'm still struggling with it. And so we need to know that God forgave us, and we have to forgive others, or God won't forgive us. But the problem is we need to make allowances for each other's faults. And we don't do that. Soon as someone makes a mistake, we jump, we pounce on it. Sometimes when someone doesn't do something right, we pounce on it. We've got to be careful with that. What we've got to be able to do is, you know, do unto others as you have them do unto you. Let's, let's say it this way. Give as much grace as you want to receive. If you want to receive grace from people, because you're like, everybody's always judging me. Everybody's on top of me. Everybody, every mistake I make, I'm always, well, then why don't you give that kind of grace to others, and maybe it will come back to you. See, we need to make allowances for messed up people. And people who are messed up. There's people that come to our church, and I, I talked about it some last week. I don't care what they look like, what they act like. I don't care where they come from. I don't care the background. I don't care who they are. I don't care how much of they're messed up, jacked up from the floor. It don't matter what, what's going on in their life. We, we, our job is not to judge or look at their sin. Our job is to look at their heart and say, that's a sinner without a Savior, and they need Jesus. And, and I don't care how, how messed up. And now here's, here's the big thing. Now, God showed me this last night when I was studying. He, he's like, here's the deal. So many Christians, when you're in the church and someone comes in and they're from a different lifestyle or, they, or they're, they're, they're addicted to crack, cocaine, whatever, don't matter what's going on, they're homeless. And everybody, when they're in the church, they want to run to them and help them and love them and care for them. But then when they walk outside them doors, they don't act the same way. They take, they take off that love. 
And so when you're outside and you pass somebody that, that, that's, that's, that's homeless or got a different lifestyle or whatever, then all of a sudden you don't want to have nothing to do with them because they're messed up and I don't want to be seen with them. I don't want to act like that. I don't want to be around that. I don't want to be around those people. I, and you, and you, we're just, we're, it's just hypocrisy that while we're here in this house, oh, the love of God is here. But as soon as we leave out of this building, all of a sudden the love, we take the love of God off and we put on back judgment again. And we got to go around. I'm not saying that every time that you see a homeless person, you got to give them 50 cents or a dollar or $10. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we still need to have that compassion. And when you see them standing on the road with that sign, you may not give them a dime, but you can sit right there and pray for them right. instead of ignoring them. You know what? Yeah, but you don't understand. I saw them go over there and get in a Lincoln Continental. Then pray for their soul that they need Jesus. Pray for who they say. Pray for them. Pray for their family. Pray for who they are. We got to do stuff like that. We got we to gotta say, you know what? I don't care if they're messed up. I want everybody to walk, that walks through that door to know that I'm loved and I'm cared for and that, you know what? I feel like I am somebody here and I belong here no matter what they've done, where they come from. Nobody is perfect here. You saw, you saw what, what the, the, the thing that we said earlier that, that is inspiring love, life, and relationships. And we want to, to impact our city with the love of Christ through real relationships. And not just in here. Real relationships out there. How do people come to church? You make relationships out there and you bring them in. You don't wait for somebody else to bring them in here and then build relationships. I love this right here, man. I read this, man. This is so exciting. Carol Whitney said this from her book, Unbridled Faith. For too long, we have built churches with the expectation that hurting people would just walk through our door. But we are instructed to go out into the world. That's often where the people who are most spiritually lonely are. Living our lives, listen to this. This is beautiful how she says this. Living our lives in a holy huddle with other Christians that make us feel safe and even comfortable. When our focus is, is on the huddle, we often don't have to deal with the scary people on the outside. But there's some amazing news. Our comfort has a low biblical priority. Did you catch that? Our comfort level has, is, God, God, we, in, in this Christian walk, we're, a lot of times we're not comfortable. And if you're walking around expecting to be comfortable in your whole entire Christian walk with God, you're sadly mistaken. You're not going to be that because he's going to push us to, to speak to people, to talk to people in the line at the grocery store, to, to, to see people here. And, you know, we, we went yesterday, and I'm so happy so many of y'all went with us yesterday to Boots on the Ground, and, and, and we went to Creekwood yesterday. had a wonderful time, and it was freezing cold, and people did, a lot of people didn't even come out from the houses because of that. But a lot of people came out there, and it was so good and so awesome to be able to talk to them. That's my favorite place in town, I really. When we, when we do Boots on the Ground, that's my favorite place to go. I love them, and I love Miss Glendora and, and, and those people there, and I love those families. And I'm excited to be able for us to be a part of that with Pastor Jameson, to be able to go monthly to, to those places and, and love on people and show them that we're not that, that, not, not that we're, we're not. We're all equal. At the, at, the, at the cross, all the ground is level. Nobody's better than nobody else. Nobody's greater than nobody else. We, because I got the same issues they do sometimes, and they got the same issues I do. Jesus, Jesus does not discriminate. Jesus never looked at, one, at nobody and said, you're too messed up for me. Matter of fact, the more messed up, the more he was drawn to them to try to help them to put on that love and clothe himself with humility and forgiveness and grace. Jesus loved people, and as a result, they were drawn to him. It says that the worst sinners, the worst sinners of all the time would come and listen to him preach. Why? Because they wanted to get saved? No, a lot of them didn't. But because he showed them love and he built relationships with them. They don't, if you show people love, man, it's going to draw people to you. Why? Because most people in this city don't feel loved. 
Most people in this city do not feel cared for. No, most people in this city do not, do not feel um, welcome. Most people in this city do not feel like anybody recognizes them. Why? Because our, 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 our whole entire world is so messed up with broken families and all these kind of things like that. And we got to love people and it will draw them to us. So when you walk into a room, people would want to come talk to you because that person and that person is negative. That person's got an attitude. And I want to come over here because I know Nick's going to encourage me and Nick's going to love on me. And we need to be that person. We need to be that light. If we don't want people around us that are messed up, if we don't want people around us that are messed up, then we are nothing like Jesus. Don't, say, don't call yourself a Christian if you're going to not want to be around certain types of people because of their sin, because of their background, because of whatever. You can't say that, oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't, I don't want to be around those, those types of people. Um, Colossians 3 and 14 says, Above all, clothe yourselves. Above all. Above all. That means on top of all this other stuff. Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. So what will bind our city together? Perfect love. One translation says, the most important piece of clothing you wear is love. So every day, we got to be cosmic when we wake up and what, we put, what kind of attitude we start with. And if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, like we all do, then we need to go to God and say, God, help me today. I'm feeling some kind of way, and I, I, I can pop off at any minute on somebody. So God, just pray right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> That you help me and help me. Be, I didn't expect that to be that funny. <laughs> but that you help me, God, to, to be what I'm supposed to be today. Help me to be what I'm created for. Help me to put on love. Help me to put on this, God. And help me not to be judgmental and, and be, be an idiot today, God. Help me to be love and kind. 1 Peter 4 and 8. Most of all, continue to show deep love for, the, for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. The message paraphrases it and says, Most of all, love each other as if your life depended upon it. Listen to this. It goes on to say in this paraphrase, love makes up for anything. Love makes up for practically anything. I think that's beautiful. When someone truly feels, how many times has somebody done something wrong to you, but you love them so much, you said, it's okay. Because love is so powerful. We need to lead with love. We need to lead with love. We need to be leaders of love. All the virtues that Paul encouraged us to, to, to have and, to, and to, to, to develop, all are bound together with love. Love holds everything in place. Think about what kind of city would we have if, if our whole city put on love and put on humility and kindness and grace and, and, and left the attitude and the bitterness and, 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 and the selfishness and the fear in the closet and then put that on every morning. What kind of city would we have? That's going to be kind of hard to do, right? So what kind of Church, can we have if we did that? Maybe we can do it. And then, then, and then maybe you can say, what kind of family, what kind of marriage could you have? What kind of family could you have if you did that every morning? If we did that every morning? And we decided to put on love and put on um, humility and patience. What kind of marriage could you have if you did that? Colossians 3 and 15. I'm closing if you could come. And um, 3.15, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So when love is in full effect, when there's love is in full effect, then there's peace. And I pray that. John, don't show this, this picture yet. I want to talk about it a second. 
and I'll be done. In 1998, sorry, Honduras was hit by Hurricane Mitch, and it devastated everything. It tore up buildings and all kind of stuff. The Caribbean, the Caribbean was, was, was wrecked and devastated. And there was all kind of buildings and all kind of bridges that were just wrecked over and over and over. But show us this picture right here, John. But there's this, the, the Chacaluca Cholateca, the Cholateca Bridge stood. And you see it's almost in perfect condition. Even though this bridge stood its ground, there's one problem. The storm carved the river another path to go. So essentially now, that bridge is useless. <laughs> because it used to be over the bridge over troubled waters, right? You know, but now it's to the side and it's useless. Now it's just a monument of what used to be. Listen to me closely. I feel like if the church is not already there, they're getting there. We're becoming a monument. The church is not a bridge to the community anymore. We used to be a bridge to the community. We used to bridge, oh, I'm lost. I need help. I'm addicted. I'm broken. I, I'm, I'm pregnant, whatever. I, come, come, come. Walk across this bridge and let me help you meet Jesus. But now we're kind of over here by ourselves. And people say, well, there's church over there. It's a monument. We're not a bridge to our community no more. We're not, we're not, not, helping, not helping nobody. We're not inviting people in. We're not, we're not doing nothing to outreach. We're not doing any kind of thing to make a difference in people's lives. We're not a bridge to our community. But we're supposed to be that. We're supposed to be a bridge from our community to Christ. From your family to Christ. But we're just... A lot of churches today have just become a monument. And I want you to know, as your pastor, I refuse for this kingdom impact to be a monument. We will reach out. We will become what God's called us to be and try to reach at our destiny. Now, we're still small. We're still growing. Hopefully, we'll be able to get out of this church and have, have more room to do more outreach, to do more things and all that. And as soon as the money comes, then we're ready to go. But we got to get the money. So the thing is, is in the meantime, I, I, you hear me say it often. Another thing that I refuse to allow is I refuse to allow the size of our church to dictate our impact. Because why? Because we're kingdom impact. If we're going to have the name, we might as well be it. So are you making an impact? Are you a bridge to anybody? You have Jesus in your heart, right? So if you have Jesus in your heart, then there should be people at work that you're able to build a bridge by relationship. Relationship builds a bridge. You can build a bridge from your heart to their heart and hopefully, Christ will walk right on over in there one day. But you have to build that bridge. That's why I say we're not going to judge people when they walk in. Because there's no bridge to them. What happens when you do that? They turn around and they leave and they never come out again. All my life that happened. But we got to build a bridge. You build a bridge by relationship. And then after you're connected... And then Jesus starts talking and, and he just scoots right on over into their heart and they receive Christ and they become part of the kingdom of God. We got, we got to do better inviting people to our church. We got to do better reaching out to people out there. I don't care if they come here and get saved and go to Port City or where. I don't care. My, my, my goal is, is for them to be, have souls to be one and be discipleship. If they go somewhere else and get discipled, that's okay. God's got people for us. There's enough people in this city for everybody. We don't, we don't have to steal from nobody else's church. 
There's enough sinners going to hell out there right now, probably down this street, that we can get and fill up this church in two, two or three times. But we've got to build a bridge to them. How can we build a bridge? Would you like to build a bridge today to somebody's life from our church to our community? Dear Heavenly Father, if you bow your hand, close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for the awesome opportunity, God, to minister to your people today. I'm so humbled and moved by it. And God, I just pray that today in the name of Jesus that you would touch your people, that you would touch this church, that you would touch me as a pastor, that I would be the leader and I would show a lead to not to put on these things, God, that sometimes tend, tend, tend to, to come at us, God, that I would be a leader and show love and show patience and so, show mercy. And that as I showed, God, people would follow along as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. That this church would be that community, God, gap, that bridge. And that we wouldn't just be a monument. And people say, there's a church and there's a church and there's a church. And there's no bridges to their hearts. Is there anybody here today who say, Pastor Doug, I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I need a bridge from your heart to Christ. I need Christ in a bad way. And I'll walk across a bridge to your heart if, you, if, you, if you'll let me. Is there anybody here that just want to raise your hand and say, I want to receive Christ. I want Christ to come in my heart. Amen. If that's you, raise your hand. I think I saw a hand. Yes, yes, amen. I see the hand. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Before I go on, let's go ahead and pray for this individual to raise their hand. If you all just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Cross that bridge today, Lord, and come into my heart. Cleanse me and purify me and make me clean and whole. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on a cross and rose from the dead. I accept you, Lord, as my Savior. In Jesus' name. I am saved. Amen. The Word of God says, and your Word of God says all the same, it says that when someone gets saved, that all of heaven stops and rejoices. In other words, He shuts up all the angels that are created to praise Him. He says, hi, psst, stop. Somebody just got saved. Let's, let's give them a hand clap. Let's rejoice. And they all rejoice in heaven. So let's rejoice with the angels in heaven today. And if you, if you will see me after church, I will give you some, some stuff to help you get started on, the, on that progress towards uh, discipleship. And the next thing I want to ask is, who would just raise your hand and say, Pastor Doug, I want to build a bridge. I want our church to build a bridge. I want to dress right every day the best that I can. I'm human. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to have an attitude. But I want to, make, I want to wake up every morning and try to have a, 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 be intentional about, about my day. Be intentional about how I treat others and how I respect others. And be intentional about knowing that, that I have the word Christian and the word Christ that I'm representing. And I want to do better at that. Anybody put my hands up? Anybody? Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Before we go, before we go Don um, Weber is going to come up. We're going to pray for him. He's going to leave next weekend to go to Africa for two months. And we're going to be praying for him. And please, if y'all would, continue to pray for him and lift him up. And believe that God, God has a work for him over there. If I can have some men and some ladies, if you want to, to come up and let's just pray for him. That God will be with him, direct him, and guide him. 
as he goes to Africa and, and uh, ministers as a missionary. Where at in Africa? In Kenya. Kenya. Nairobi, Kenya. Nairobi. 